Hello and welcome to So Bad It's Good, the podcast that comes with genuine breaking news. Nicolas Cage has just been stopped at customs in the US. Upon bag inspection, they found two dragon eggs, the jaw of a pterodactyl, the Turin shroud and a few bags of pharaoh powder. Thanks for joining us again. We're over, what, halfway through our race to experience and retell our enjoyment of the most awful films ever made. This week is special uh, in quite a couple of ways, actually. We've been relentlessly binging on genres, so we've gone through action, disaster, horror, and you can catch up uh, on all of those on our anchor page. There's been the odd deviation, but now it's time to turn to one of our idols. One man, one episode. But let's just narrow that down for a second, because by no real design or genuine structure, there is a growing So Bad It's Good pantheon. We've got, slightly more recently, Derek Akora. We've got the bloke from Memento, who I'm always uh, slagging. Uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, yeah. The Sways. The Sways. Um, the cast of Showgirls, which is just my personal <laughs> sort of... It's your fetish, mate. <laughs> the unknown cast that never did anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously know me, I like Tony Moss. I think he's my, one of my movie heroes. Uh, come back in a few years when you <laughs> fucked off that baby fat. <laughs> one of my favorite, yeah, favorite quote ever. Um, but there is someone else as well who looms quite large. And yes, it's about time that we finally got to it. And it's the point where we need a whole episode on caster Troy himself, Nicolas Cage a hero of modern movie making. But what else is new? Well, we've also got a special guest uh, who's kindly agreed to join us. It's a friend of ours, a cinema fan, uh, a complete cage addict, a veteran uh, neo-shaman herself, Rain. Hello. Uh, welcome to the show. It's, it's great to have you with us. How's it going? And also, I guess, because people are going to be, uh, I think, really fascinated about this is how did you get into cage what's your level of of cageism obsession what's it all about why do you like him okay well um to answer your first question i'm all good um mm. been been on furlough for a while but i'm back to work in my second week so you know okay. there's that all that whole stress of work but it's fine uh, I'm, I'm happy to be able to do stuff like this to uh cause some joy um, Nicolas Cage is one of my all-time favorite actors. He is hilarious. He is in comedies and action and dramas. He has won an Oscar and at the same time is in movies that are just so awful, they're hilarious to laugh at. Um, and fun fact about me, I love Nicolas Cage so much that when I got my first cat, who is my current cat, I named him Cameron Poe. <laughs> after Cameron, after Cameron Pro in Con Air, which is, we'll, we'll dive into that later, but that is one of Nicolas Cage's stellar, stellar uh, castings, and I thought that my cat should be named after him. <laughs> that is brilliant. So, so when you take him to the I vets, that. do you say like, put the kitty in the box? <laughs> you know what? I should. I should. I feel like no one would understand it though. People often, this is very annoying, people often think that I've named my cat Poe after the Teletubby, 
which is absolutely oh, incorrect. Christ, not even Edgar wow. Allan? Jesus. I know, right? That would be better. It's it's a Nicolas Cage Tragic. character from... Uh, from Shocking. So, I can't believe that, though. <laughs> okay. Um, now, we did cover The Wicker Man in our... The Wicker Man remake, I should say, in our horror episode in episode three. Go and check that out. So Cage isn't entirely new to the show. But for any fan of trashy films, it would be a genuine dishonour to just leave it at that. The generation just below us will probably think of Cage as the apeshit YouTube guy, a weirder <laughs> version of the Winnebago man. The generation above us, on the other hand, probably might dismiss him as just a hack action gammon, when, especially if you compare him to the big 90s stars, the Willises, the... Schwarzeneggers and so on. We're lucky, I think, and well-placed to appreciate him for the Western Kabuki genius that he actually is. <laughs> Part of the Coppola litter, Nicholas Kim Coppola started out in movies in 1982 after a few slightly off manic performances in the likes of Peggy Sue Got Married, Moonstruck, uh, Vampire's Kiss, which we'll get a special mention today. He owned his style to become an unusual but beloved action icon. Ethan Hawke, I think, once said he's the only person in the last 50 years or so to actually change acting as an art form, which is probably true, because which other actor has such an immediate patented screen presence? Just think of the wide eyes, the slow, slow drawl, the inevitable freak out, the utter shamelessness. The cage acting style is unique and he's a cult hero on this show, at least. But before all our main chat, we've got a casting couch to do, which is, uh, I guess, much easier this week because it's just an upfront, honest cage vehicle. We, as uh, screenwriters and, and directors, producers, whatever, are deliberately serving up our art to give the great man a star role. So between the three of us, uh, the past week, we've been hashing out a few potential cage titles. Max has a few of them in that weird pencil case it's okay yeah yeah my, my rainbow <laughs> pencil case which i got bullied at in uh the, in, in secondary the, school um okay so here we, here go. we go okay i'm looking forward to seeing which one we come up with okay i've got one. Oh, i think this was one of rain's virus <laughs> four deadly installments yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you can tell that that's one of like the sort of like Ghost Rider things that like he's just he's just be yeah. by contract he's just become I'm, locked into it. Not by contract, exactly. it's definitely because he has no money because he bought the ghost oh. house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the one pushing for the sequels. So being the arch stylist that he is, you can spot a cage movie from a mile off. But what exactly are you looking out for, especially if you're new to the man and you're new in general to sort of uh, underrated, trashy, schlocky movies? Um, this is the bit of the show where we're going to be looking at cagisms, the silver screen signature of the guy. So, Max, do you want to kick us off with something that, I don't know, crops up in every cage? Yeah, vehicle? so I guess... Um usually when this we turn this into a kind of drinking game like if you were going to have a, a drink uh for every time this actually happens in a in a Nicolas Cage movie um I think this has got to be quite a long drink I'm going to say like a vodka and coke 
for this just just simply because it's in every single movie and if it was anything stronger or more offensive you couldn't do it um i'm just going to talk about the fact that nicholas cage's hair is is a character unto itself in pretty much every single movie has he ever got them you can get them like hair plugs and stuff has he ever has he ever done that or is that still his own hair I think that's his own hair, which is why it's so wispy. But you see, I think I think there's there's mm, for me right. there's three main cage hairstyles um, in most movies. Okay. okay. The first is is when he's trying to be a serious character. Um, I call it the cage crop. It is um, <laughs> almost like uh, every year six school kid uh, back in the nineties, um, very closely cropped to the head. Um, yeah. Very little styling potential within that as well. Like it's all very like you can't really sweep it back. You can't really part it. It's he's got that classic thing of like as he's gotten a bit older, his hairlines receded on the sides as well. So again, it's just oh, yeah. emphasizing the fact that he can't really do much with it. So that's the it's first one. It's almost a military cut, isn't it? Not quite buzz cut, but mm. it's that short. Like he's trying to look like he's a smart, put together man. Yeah, yeah. In the same way that Tommy Wiseau thought it would look good by having like shoulder length, exactly, like greasy <laughs> hair in his movies. Uh, yeah, mm. Nicolas Cage thinks he looks good and smart by having this weird haircut that actually, yeah, looks like he should be in the military. Mm. Um, I guess the second style for me is one that um, is probably one of his more iconic styles is the um, is is the the long wavy wispy hair. Um, indicative of like the the Con Air movies, um, the luscious the, the kind locks. Of, the, yeah, the luscious <laughs> locks um, and the uh, just just general like mess of it. I mean that iconic meme of like the the hair blowing in the breeze. And I guess the third one is kind of like an amalgamation of the two. It's when he's usually playing some kind of crazy sleazeball, and it's like it's almost like a fake Elvis style um type hair that he has where it's, it's, he hasn't fully committed to having the bouffant but just enough to like just to give a bit of raise a bit of volume um it's probably the one that has the most work in it and it usually is when he's playing a sleazeball character or someone a bit untoward um usually when he's like in ghost rider and he's drinking uh he's drinking jelly beans out of a martini glass that type of character uh, that he's playing <laughs> the question i have to both of you though is if you had mm. to have a, one of those hairstyles for the rest of your life what one would it be and why rain do you want to go first yeah sure i mean it, it has to be the sleazeball hair because <laughs> at least at least it's got some sort of style he's put effort in perhaps it does have a cool vibe even though the character he's playing is usually insane, at least the hair has something. Whereas the other two are not, there's no effort. The long wispiness is, is crazy. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going for the, I, I'm going for the long, actually. <laughs> God, Ashley, you, you with long hair, you look hideous. Because, no, I'm going for that long sort of straggly <laughs> stuff. One, because you know, okay, it might look day to day, it might look a bit weird, but if you come near a fan or maybe a plane engine, you look sick. <laughs> That's true. Saving the day is probably cooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long so, yeah, I'll, I'll dot for that. Is there like, uh, with the hair, is it like, <laughs> is there a pattern to, has anyone sort of mapped the hairstyle onto the filmography, if you know what I mean? So like when he does well, he's having... Um, but, you know, he's got a certain haircut maybe when he's 
bottom of the barrel rubbish B-movie stuff. He's got a certain hairstyle. Is there a pattern to it? See, I think that they're, they're very character-based. And because Nicolas Cage is so hit and miss and his craft works sometimes so well and sometimes it doesn't at all, the hairstyle doesn't actually go with whether he's successful or not. Because if you look at Racing Arizona, which yeah. is one of his best films, he's playing that long-haired hillbilly kind of character, but he's really lovable and he's really good. But then in the same breath, he has that same hair in Con Air, which is not, yeah. it's not critically acclaimed, say, even though it's, it's super enjoyable. Great. But it's just like when we were doing like Roadhouse, the same type of thing. It's one of those like movies you can just watch and just enjoy. I think the same thing is like Moonstruck. He's got that cropped, yeah. trying to like military style haircut in yeah. Moonstruck and he's iconic in that and he's really good. And then, yeah, he's got that same cropped, really austere look in Vampire's Kiss and he's ridiculous in that movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what about you, Ash? What's your, uh, what's your tipple? Um, okay, let's think. Uh... Does anyone know actually any? Because I could just say a brandy or or something, but does, <laughs> does it, which Max says every. No, no, I, you, you had a go at me uh, saying this all the time. You <laughs> say having a brandy more than me. Um, having uh, I don't know some sort of flavoured side. It, it, what, what drinks does he drink in films? Is is there he any like, classic scenes where he's got like yeah. a, a drink? Jelly beans. Jelly beans. Jelly bean. yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. Um, I'll take, yeah, I'll take just a Bellini glass full of jelly beans, M and M's, whatever you want. Exactly. Um, for because I, I was originally going to go for rooftops, wasn't I? Because I think there's always seems to me anyway, because my cage knowledge is, isn't quite as, as sort of extensive. But whenever I think of him, he's always screaming at a helicopter on a roof. <laughs> It happens, it happens yeah, in National fair, Treasure, fair it happens in Face Off. Um, that one where he plays the, because to back up the argument, I did just Google Nicolas Cage rooftops. Um, <laughs> it gave me five local businesses. Um, no, but it, <laughs> it gave, when I Googled it, apparently there was a film called, I think it was called Outside or Outsider, so probably Outsider, not just Outside. The, uh, is a samurai or something in it? Like a, the fighter and i think there's a big rooftop like um the opening of what is it like skyfall type big scene in that but anyway oh, so wow. I, I was going to go for rooftops but i thought it's a bit hit and miss because a lot of it will depend on like the director and how, and how he wants as opposed to the great man himself so i've actually exactly. gone for something <laughs> way simpler way, way more accessible i think um and it's names character names Ooh, in cage films they are always okay. weird right so what i've done there's no <laughs> art or skill to this i've just printed off the wikipedia filmography and i now and i now intend to read for the next four is this going to be like is that like going to be like the scene in um in ted <laughs> where he has to name ted's girlfriend and just go gradually <laughs> gradually the uh marianne julianne <laughs> Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> so who have we got so okay occasionally let, let's see it starts out let's go from the top we've got <laughs> moonstruck we've got ronnie camareri you think okay <laughs> that's it, it, it's getting to pete cage but it's still you can still pass, pass it off as like a joke sort of mock italian sort of name so you can still pass that off but it does plunge even deeper into linguistic oddity when we get to 1994. 
Doug Chesnick. Uh, apparently that's a movie called Guarding Tess, which I've never seen. He plays Bill Furpo in Trapped in Paradise. <laughs> he plays Dr. Stanley Goodspeed in The Rock. This is... If I could get them to rhyme, then that, I, I've basically just got like a great poem here, haven't I? Yeah. Um, obviously, 1997, huge, huge uh, cage year. Uh, Connor face-off classics. Yeah. We've obviously got Cameron Poe and Caster Troy. So great. <laughs> so much character Which, within those names. The, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need like the script has written itself. They've, they've picked the names. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and it started from there because you can imagine because the way Cage is in real life, like he, he is a real life uh, sort of psycho. Um, you can imagine him sort of like being presented with the scripts and we've watched like little comic videos on YouTube about people uh, taking the piss of how he just accepts anything coming and his agent, you know, we've seen that video of the yeah. agent pitching rubbish movies and he accepts them. But they must just tell him the name first, and he just goes off that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. He must just yeah. be, oh, like, well, there's a movie here. You know, let's see. Yeah, uh, he's called Balthazar Blake, and he's just gone. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Gone, yeah. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I think I think that's a really good point because it's like it's he does. I do feel that when I watch Cage movies, there are certain things that he does in them that I'm like, the director hasn't asked you to do that. You've just gone in and gone. I want my character oh, yeah. to drink a martini glass full of JBs. Oh, definitely. And just like, and just, and just insist on it. And I think people have just grown used to like, oh, don't worry, Cage always insists on random affectations yeah. that his well, character has Nicholas based Cage on Nicholas Cage believes that he's he has like the perfect actor's characterization. He knows how to. Yeah. He's he's method acting, but he's also like creating a character as as he's on set. He's, he thinks yeah. that he's done something separate to the director or the screenwriter, which <laughs> honestly he has. He, he has does. created a character or characters that are completely separate to what the director or screenwriter intended. Things like that's apparently, I don't know if it's true, that, that movie where he was a Native American, he was in like a Native American colonial um, movie and he learned like <laughs> Navajo. And his character didn't speak Navajo, but apparently, apparently, even worse, his character didn't speak Navajo. There wasn't any Native American in the movie that was meant to speak Navajo. I mean, you can't fault him for his real, real hard trying. It's really, it's a lot of effort in. I love making movies, Gary. <laughs> Benjamin Gates in Nash, that, that's fairly normal. For, for a cage yeah. character because I can imagine his agent sort of pitching these things and it, p probably pitching good stuff like oh Nick we've got like the, the new uh, like the Neil Armstrong biopic we think you know it, it could be a nice match here it could be a big role the Oscars love all of that biopic stuff and he just goes hmm Armstrong doesn't rhyme with any of my favourite pasta types so <laughs> no yeah, so that, that that I just think he always chooses, and again, whether we he's he sort of tinkered with them, and he really wants it to be odd and like like Castor Troy, yeah, yeah, he probably had a hand in that, <laughs> but he does seem to go. It does seem to be a genuine thing, that right? Okay, so this is my my Nicolas Cage trope. Uh, so you can't talk about. What would about... you do if it was a drinking game? If it, what if you what drink would you associate this? Uh this trope of cage with. Okay, so this has got to be 
some crazy shot, like a kamikaze <laughs> or or an Irish car bomb or something like us. Uh, mm. You need uh, you need a lot of a what's lot an of Irish car bomb? Oh, it's actually delicious. It's, it's, it's half, a, half a pint of Guinness with a shot of Jameson dropped in like a bomb, like a Jager bomb. Ooh. And you down it. It is honestly delicious. And it is dangerous. <laughs> Round of Irish car bombs when we uh, next meet up after. Yeah. Sounds yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that, that'd, have to be, that'd have to be the drink to go along with this trope. Because you can't talk about Nicolas Cage without talking about the freak out. Or yeah. the one-liners, which I feel come hand in hand because there aren't freakouts in every single film, but he always comes out with a classic one-liner, at least one. Sometimes okay. you're you're blessed with more. <laughs> so, um, I mean, we're going to talk about it later with Vampire's Kiss, but there is that epic freakout in that film. Um, and I actually just watched uh, Con Air last night just to give me a little refresher um, for this podcast, and there's the classic. <laughs> he he goes down into the cargo uh, section of the plane, and there's uh, I don't know one of the other criminals. I think what's his name, Billy Bedlam, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> Do you reckon Nicholas Cage wrote all the names for that movie? <laughs> Connor is full of hilarious nicknames, and they all rhyme or they all have some sort of alliteration. They're they're just hilarious, and so yeah, he he, he comes across Billy Bedlam. He's going through Cameron Poe's box of, of items from the from prison. And he goes, put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> Are good. you trying to be menacing? Or, am I meant to be scared? I don't know. <laughs> He's got this hilarious Southern accent, this Southern drawl, which he, I think is meant to be sweet, but just really comes across as like he'd only have oh, three brain cells. The voice, <laughs> I wish I could do. Yeah. I was trying to, because it's slow. Where, where's he from, by the way? Is it, is it, it, if I'm going to take the piss out of it, is it is it a genuine accent or do do other people talk like that? I I don't know because I don't think mm. that he has a natural southern accent. Yeah. I think that that is always put on in in his films, yeah. and it it never really rings true, does it? It always sounds like it's yeah someone putting on I've a bad accent. I've seen him in interviews where it's uh, yeah, it is a bit different actually, but it's even slower in real life. Yeah. Very slow and very, it's quite soft, yeah. isn't it? For being such a person yeah, who freaks out, soft. he's a very soft. It sounds boy. like it's sort of like muffled because there was one, <laughs> there was one interview where he was uh, and the, the drawl was in full <laughs> flow in this, and he was the interview goes, uh, "Oh, believe you like England, you've got a big fondness for the Brits," and goes, "Yeah, it's good for me sinuses." So, <laughs> what? Well, apparently he's got a house in somewhere, I don't know, uh, southeast way or something like that. He's got like a hot home there. I'm thinking, well, how long has he had that? Because if it's good for his stuff, why does he still sound like he's snorkeling through crit sticks? <laughs> I mean, if we're, if we're talking, oh, Cage. I if can't we're even talking do about Nicolas Cage and English accents, we have to bring up National Treasure too. <laughs> secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a scene. <laughs> you brought the little Barbies oh in here. <laughs> oh, it's so awful, but so I, I, good. That scene infuriates me because I, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> certain you don't get guided tours around Buckingham Palace. I mean, that's where the Queen lives. You know, it's been like, you know, your, your nan yeah. people walk around their living room. I think 
they, they did mm. used to. I don't know if you can anymore, but they definitely did. But he takes the piss and is obviously running around Buckingham Palace. You'd probably be shot. Like, I know this is England, but I don't know if you'd be allowed. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you'd be allowed to slide down the banister in the Queen's home. <laughs> yeah, that is taking liberties, yeah. that. You know, I mean, guaranteed Prince George is not doing that, is it? <laughs> like, you know, like, he's definitely not doing that. So Nicholas Cage can't. parts of that um, film. I, I, the other week I was, I managed this bit, but I, I watched the clip and it was like all of these Andy Warhol movies, like these art house things that he was doing in the yeah. 60s. And one of them was just, it was called, and it followed quite literally, it was just called Andy Warhol Eats a Hamburger. And it was just 10 minutes of exactly no. that. National Treasure Book of Secrets, National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets, to me is just Nicolas Cage orders British pub food. <laughs> yeah. That bit where he's just going, babble. he says bubbles as well, he gets it wrong. He says bubbles yeah. and sweet. <laughs> no, no, mate. <laughs> I think it's just bubble. I do like how the, the, the Bobby uh, in question loses it when he says haggis, which is a Scottish haggis. Yeah. dish. He goes, haggis, right, no, 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 no. Too you far. take the mick out of bubble and sweet. But if you mention haggis, <laughs> you're out of here, sling your hook. It's um, actually, now thinking about it, it's like Nicolas Cage knew that gifts would be a thing before they were a thing. Because he did things that worked so perfectly as just a, yeah. as, as a, as a stop yeah. motion, like a, a picture, and then with some sort of ridiculous words or word going along it, like perfect gift. So that's Cage in general, but let's beat into the great man's work till it pisses blood. We've <laughs> yes. singled out our favorite Cage items. Um, and we're going to go whip around them one by one. Definitely, in my opinion, between us all, we've chosen the cream if you're just getting in, uh, into the cage as an actor. So let's do our little Ferris wheel again. Max, you are going to be talking about... Vampire's Kiss. Lovely. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna, we're not going to do the same thing of going through the plot moment by moment. There's so much yeah. to cover. If you haven't seen Vampire's Kiss, watch it you will not be disappointed um i want to just pause before i go into the three key scenes that i think are what make this an amazing cage movie um by saying that this is actually it could have been a really clever psychological thriller but they hired nicholas cage yeah. and i think that's where they went wrong um because it's a very interesting movie about a guy who convinces himself that he's a vampire and he's, he's he becomes he's like having hallucinations he's imagining things that are not there he's like you know speaking to himself and stuff um but throughout all of this this movie he is he's is played by nicholas cage and it just ruins it from from a serious point of view from us taking the mick out of it it's gold dust um so to start off there's the iconic scene, which if you watch any freak out video of Nicolas Cage, you'll see. Nicolas Cage has a psychiatrist in it. And um, he's he's having, and this is linking to one of the other points in the movie, but he has a secretary who is probably the most abused employee yeah. I have ever seen put to screen. Albert, it's really devastating. Um, bless us. Like, mm, oh my bad. God, you actually want to reach inside the screen and stop Nicolas Cage <laughs> from this movie. Because I think as an actress, she was probably terrified of him as well. Oh, definitely. Because I can't imagine him like 
I can't imagine the director going cut and him just like, oh, I'm sorry, I was a bit mean there and stuff <laughs> like that. I can imagine him being a real dick even during yeah. that point. But anyway, so he's he's commissioned Alba, and, and it's never really explained in the movie, but basically his, he's a publishing agent and they're looking for a contract of an old novel from like, you know, 20 years ago. And the guy who's speaking to Nicolas Cage is really nice. And he's just like, yeah, I know it's a real bugbear. It's a really, whenever you can get around to it, don't worry. But he makes it seem like this will make or break Alba's career. Like this is the most important thing in the world, his secretary. So he gets her to just do it. And the famous meme, which I think is going to be the, the picture of our, our episode logo, FYI, is, uh, is, is from this scene where he tells Alba, like, he's going to make her do this. And even if there was someone there for, like, one day, he would, he would make her look through all the files and, and find, this, um, find this document because it hasn't been filed properly. Um, and he gets really annoyed. As you can, as you can imagine, in the classic cage way, speaking to his psychiatrist, trying to explain his annoyance, and as a result, he ends up shouting the alphabet. Um, I didn't need to see the alphabet screamed to me on the screen, but after watching this scene, I feel like I'm better for it, um, and I won't do the whole thing. But he does go like, you know, you just put it in the right file. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And he's screaming this. What I love, what makes this scene so brilliantly cage is the fact his secretary's sitting there completely dumbstruck. And as an actress, she must have been sitting there just going, what the hell has this guy done? He was just meant to like freak out. And then she starts going, Peter, Peter, like like a child that's having a tantrum. <laughs> she start he starts like starts kind of like reassuring and like Peter, Peter, and he just screams through everything. And that's usually what you see if you watch the clip online, this screaming of the alphabet. But there's this, I mean, one of like I, I want more people to see this, and I think we might all have to stay online after recording so I can show you it is where he shouts, I haven't misfiled anything. <laughs> and he puts his hands on the hips, on his hips, like a petulant yeah. child. <laughs> and it's, it's just like, he's just like, I haven't misfiled anything. It's, it, it, it's such a weird scene. And, it's, and, and also it's one of those things that when you see it and like, you might just forget and you might go, oh, you might be blinded by the amount of cage in that moment. But then when you get to that point and you see him do that, and if you actually watch it, you're like, what the hell have I just watched well, in this What's movie? interesting about that scene is that it's hilarious to watch, as you say, because it's classic caged freak out. But I think you started by saying that this story could actually be a really good psychological thriller. And it's it's like yeah. that scene was was really trying to, to fulfill that role of this creepy psychological thriller where you don't even know whether that file was ever that contract ever existed yeah it, it, you don't even know if yeah. that's true and so i feel like that's kind of what was mm. trying to be shown that you know this could all be in his mind of course he's misfiled something because he's human but he's he's in this delusion yeah. but the way that it comes across is like you know you're actually crazy <laughs> and the file if it exists or not you're insane so it loses yeah. that uh it, it, it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's a really strange scene, and it's, it's one of those scenes that, like, you, is classic mm. Cage, uh, which sounds like a a nineties Disney sitcom. <laughs> but about bell. Um, so yeah, that's that's my first point. Of, um, <laughs> the second point, as I mentioned, is about his relationship with Alba, who, 
as I said, he abuses her. He's really horrible to her. And she gets worried. She gets very nervous and scared about him, um, especially as his mind starts to unravel throughout the movie. And so um, she lives in a kind of poor neighbourhood and, and mm. her brother, or I, I can't remember exactly how she gets a hold of it, but she gets a gun and she keeps it with her for protection because of how scared she is of this, of this thing. Anyway, like, Albert is terrified of him and he starts like like Nicolas Cage just like she's she's forced to work late and she's like alone in the office and Nicolas Cage like opens his root door it's like Alba Alba and you know that like you know he, he's wanting this file and you know that she's done everything to try and get it and he jumps on his on her desk on his desk and points mm. at her like ready to, and she pegs it because like to be fair anyone would run at this point he bolts after her they yeah. find their way into some weird like warehouse section of this building um and then like she's got this gun and he kind of like is intimidating her and she kind of faints out of out of fear of being in front of him and uh nicholas cage because uh, of his mental state he starts to he starts to like unravel and tries to kill himself with the gun that alba's been using against him um and he gives up and he ends up shooting like into the wall and then you have the the immortal sound that comes out of his lips in this moment where he's he's obviously like broken down he's realized that like he's he's really mentally unstable like it's almost a revelation again it could have been an amazing scene but then nicholas cage just goes It's like he read the lyric, the lines on the script and thought he had to say those yeah. words <laughs> rather than just say, like, make crying noises. He had to say poo-hoo. Um, and the worst thing is, he's in a board room meeting, like, later on in the movie, and they're all taking oh. the mick out of him about him walking into the ladies' room, like, abusing his secretary, and they're like, oh, you were really, you know, she was a real tool there. And it's like, no, 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 mate. Nicholas Cage was the one yeah, he walked into the ladies' room and like assaulted her. But I think like she's really the victim throughout the whole movie, even with people who are meant to care about her. So of course her brother does actually give her a gun, which I mean, is that a good idea? I don't know. He's trying to help, mm. but like, isn't it? I think her parents tell her to go back to work. She's terrified, yeah. and she tells <laughs> her that her parents this, and they're like, "Well, you have to go back to work." <laughs> Okay, yeah. well... Never has there been a more uncaring yeah. mother than Lisa's mum in the room. Well, okay. Where, well, upon finding out that her daughter has been abused by to- Johnny, just goes, Johnny doesn't drink! That's true. <laughs> but what would, you, what would you do if you told your daughter you had breast cancer and she said, it's, it'll be all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's like, no, you yeah. don't, Mum. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> this is real American movie. Sorry, with with Vampire's Kiss, I think this is one of those that we started watching at one time, and I think we only got like forty minutes in or something. So that's because we were really hungover from the unicorn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was was is he a vampire in it, or does he just no, think he so, is? So this is this brings me to, to beautifully. Actually, thank you for that. Okay. It's almost like you knew what I was going to say. Um, it brings me to my, the last point. So this all comes from, a, it's, it's kind of trying to be a weird psychosexual drama. Mm. And so he has, he has one night stand with this woman. He's obviously, he's going to therapist, a therapy, but then you find out that that therapy right at the end is actually all in his head. You don't know whether that's actually, it's never just clear whether that's actually ever mm. happened, but you realise it's going in his head. 
he, he has a lot of one-night stands, is in bed with this woman, and there's a bat. For some reason, in this New York Upper East Side apartment, there's this uh, there's this bat in his house, and it comes around, and he freaks out, and they all go, they just leave, and they start laughing, going away. And um, and that's kind of starts his like mental trigger to start to think that he's been bitten and he thinks he's turned into a vampire. So it's all in his head. There's no like actual. He's not actually a vampire. Right. Anymore. Okay. But the one thing that he does in this movie, which I absolutely love, and every time I hear it, can't help but make me smile or even just burst up in in full blown laughter, is how because he does this really weird posh pseudo British yeah. accent in this movie. Um, he, he kind of gives or gets away with it like he kind of forgets it halfway through and then remembers it it's never consistent but there's one thing where he says is that he talks about like how this like bat uh, turned him on when he saw it and he says well I was really horny <laughs> <laughs> but there, there are different points in the movie where he says the word horny in that way and it's just but he's also he says it in this really like he just goes like well I was really horny Mm. I could have been confused though because I was horny yeah. and it's 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 just brilliant <laughs> like there's a compilation online of just Nicolas Cage saying oh, in this movie God. and it is just brilliant because it's just it's just like he does it and he's he's meant to be this really posh kind of like you know I think that's the impression you're getting yeah from. a well-to-do publisher trying, or editor mm. like I'm, I'm really over analyzing this movie but I think they're trying to do a mod of like a kind of Renfield syndrome where people think they're a vampire and like Renfield in Dracula's novel was like this well-respected English gentleman mm. so it's almost like they're trying to capture that within Nicolas Cage's character but I don't think if you are one of these well-respected kind of like you know posh people uh, you're not going to use the word horny. Mm. Just, just as a side note to that, um, if we're just talking about Dracula, another hilarious actor with questionable long hair who plays a posh uh, person who's involved with vampires is Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Oh, Our Lord true. and Saviour, Keanu Reeves. Oh, no, see, I, he's redeemed himself. Oh, I love him. I know where the bastards sleep. I sleeps. love him, but... <laughs> he's great, but he he's has a, great. No, I love, I a love good that. character in uh, in that Dracula film. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's such a dip in his career, wasn't it? That, like, late 90s, yeah. early 2000s period where he just, yeah. And exact. I mean, I'd love to see a movie with Nicolas Cage and, oh, and Keanu Reeves. In. We can only dream. Ooh. Well, maybe... Virus four. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but yes. So uh, that, those are my. That's that's Vampire's Kiss and a very whistle stop store. Um, Rain. We're gonna hear from. Yes. Probably a more respected Cage movie, mm. but nonetheless. Still yeah, it, it, yeah. It's relatively more respected. Pop, probably because of the cast. Because it just it has mm. some people in it who are you know they are actually amazing actors. So let's just do a quick little cast list. So we've got Nicolas Cage, obviously the one and only. We've also got John Malkovich, who mm. is like a great actor. Oh, he's brilliant! I love it. <laughs> but him. he is in some questionable films, and I think that even adds to his to his uh, the glamour of John Malkovich because he can play some really good villains, which which he is in this film. Uh, we've yeah. also got Steve Buscemi, again, mm. I mean, you know, a Tarantino favourite, he's in loads of good films, um, and he plays a super creepy character. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so it kind of implied that he's like a Hannibal-esque uh, character. It's never, it's never explained. Um, and actually, he's yeah. the only criminal who gets off scot-free. He uh, ends the film mm. with him gambling in a casino in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure whether we're meant to be happy for him or what. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it should stop with like a screenshot and just go, you know, Steve Buscemi's character was caught three days exactly. later half him killed like 20 exactly. years or something. Yeah, because he was sort of the scariest one, you know, on, on Con Air. Mm. And yet he, he just got away. Anyway. There's that whole scene with the little girl, isn't there, where he's like, you know, you don't know like whether he kills, and then you realise he hasn't yeah. killed her, but it's a really uncomfortable yeah. scene. Well, and also because it's 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 kind of implied that he could maybe be a paedophile or something, mm. so you, you're not really sure what's happened with this little girl, and then she runs off, she, later on in the film, she runs out, and she's completely safe and unharmed. So it's like, why did you build all of that tension if actually she's fine? Also, also, what the hell is a little girl doing in a drained pool in the middle of a junkyard? No idea. Like, what the hell is a little girl doing that? That's bad yeah. parenting. Where are her parents? Right Where are they? <laughs> yeah. Get Nicolas Cage from Raising Arizona exactly. and then get him to kidnap her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, I'll just do a brief, a brief synopsis. I won't go deep into it, but... For those who haven't seen it, Con Air is about uh, a bunch of criminals who are being transported from one prison to this new mega prison, which they've put loads of money into, and it's like a super max, and like they really make a point of saying how it's like for the worst of the worst. <laughs> and so then they fill this airplane with the worst of the worst, you know, going to put into this super max prison, and lo and behold, Nicolas Cage, who's just got parole, is on this plane as well. So, you know, you know that the mix is going to be interesting because it's full of these, these super criminals. And um, my favorite thing about this movie is that it starts with this voiceover and it's all slow motion. Um, and it's about how great the Rangers are. So, so it's like, start, start the movie, they go, Rangers are a credit to America. America, thanks you. Remember, Rangers lead the way. And like, there's this, all, this, all this sort of like propaganda <laughs> about how great Rangers are. And then you realize that Nicolas Cage's character, Cameron Poe, has been, uh, you know, honorably, he's been like accredited with all of these medals and he's this great ranger and he's now, he's going to go home. So his deployment is done and he's finally going home to his wife. And the day he arrives, he meets his pregnant wife in the bar that she works in. And, you know, it's all meant to be romantic. And she gets sort of accosted by some like drunkards who are uh, the locals and they're like regulars who come in and he is calm and he lets, him, lets them go. These drunk men decide, no, no, that calm ranger guy who, we, who wouldn't let us molest his wife, he deserves to be beaten up. So they wait for him outside in the car park in the pouring rain and then they mug him, they, well, they, they jump him. And because he's a ranger and because he's a really, he's a deadly weapon, he kills one of them. So this is the start of the film. Yeah. So, so they, they introduce this character, this highly commended soldier who, you know, accidentally kills some guy. The cherry on top, the judge gives him seven to 10 years for self-defense. Like, I mean, I know America has some dodgy, some dodgy government and some, some really questionable court cases where justice is not, not necessarily served. But seven to ten years for defending your pregnant wife from three guys who jumped him is like what? And he realized later on that he served eight years 
eight years in prison and he, he hasn't done anything bad. So usually people get let off, you know, if they, for good behavior, like you always hear of that. How many action films? Someone's like, yeah, they got off in two years for good behavior. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. No, Cameron Poe, no, no, you don't get that. Eight years is what you deserve. You decorated war hero who, yeah. who defended your wife in self-defense. No, Eight years. give him the chair. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> it's, it's just crazy. So that, that's how you that's how we get introduced to it. Um, and so really this, this comes on to one of the best key scenes in Con Air, which is the exercise montage. <laughs> so yes. so it, yes. it's slow motion, some of it, uh, and it's all of it is a voiceover. So we really get introduced to Cameron Poe. We get the slow Southern drawl as he is voice, uh, um, narrating the letters that he's writing to his, his daughter, who he's never met, and to his wife, who he makes sure to refer to as Hummingbird multiple times, so that we know he's a really sweet, caring guy. <laughs> Dear Casey, I long to see you again in my life. <laughs> Dear Hummingbird, when can I see you again? It's, it's, it's really great. And this shows us also what strong and, um, and badass guy he is. Because, you know, I mean, he's doing some crazy workouts. He, he's, he's, he does one where he crosses his legs and lifts himself up on, on just his index fingers. <laughs> yeah. I love that scene. It's great. I reckon, though, I think a lot of people can do that. I don't think that's a particularly challenging. No. I can I I rec I reckon Nicolas Cage in, like, rehearsal was just like, hey, 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 Gary. Look what, what I, can, I do. can do. Put this in the movie, right? Put this Definitely. in the movie. Put this in the Look, look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it really goes on for quite a while. It's it's a long montage of him exercising, and I guess his classic prison trope of you know what else what else do you have to got to do? Okay, you can exercise, but it's it's a long one, and you really hear all the letters that he's written to his daughter. So that's like that's a key part of Conair. Uh Then <laughs> let's get into once the plane has been taken over by the prisoners. So they, I mean, you know, uh, Cyrus the Virus, who is John Malkovich's character. Ah, oh, that was his name. Great that name. Was great. That's a great. He, Age would have been so jealous of yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I really feel like there was a a certain tension of of um character characters on screen because Cyrus the Virus is mm. a force to be reckoned with, and so Cameron Poe really has to ham up his own character in order to, you know, battle that, that powerhouse on, on screen. So once Cyrus the Virus, his plan comes to fruition, everything works out perfectly, he's got control of the plane. This is when we see the real good guy that Cameron Poe is come out because he has the opportunity to get off the plane and he could get off and he could, you know, he could see his wife and child and he could let the convicts go on and do their thing. But there's a female prison guard who is, is captured and on the plane um, and there is his like best, well, his cellmate and his like best friend of the past eight years, who happens to be diabetic and is now going into shock because he didn't get his insulin shot. So he's like, no, no, cannot get off the plane because I must help these people. I could, I could. He says something like, how can I look at my daughter if I, if I let? Oh, how can I trade one man's life just to see my, my, my family? So you realize, okay, Cameron Poe, he's a good guy. He's, he's got it. He's good guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that really shows uh, shows what a, was it, what a great. Was it ever explained why this fella who was basically in a car park fight 
why he's there with these masterminds on this so, plane. So, okay, let's introduce another uh, quite critically acclaimed actor who's in this movie who has a, a quite a funny role. John Cusack is the marshal who is um, organizing the prisoner, uh, this prisoner uh, move and re relocation. And so they, they refer to it a few times as Cameron Poe hitching a ride. <laughs> so couldn't, couldn't organize any other travel. <laughs> any other travel for him. They're just like, it's the space in the back. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, get him. <laughs> oh, so you are on parole. Budget's a bit low this month. <laughs> uh, you know, can we just. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so he's hitching a ride with these uh, crazy, evil criminals. Um, but luckily for, for some of the people on that plane, he's there because he ends up saving the day, of course. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. God, it's such a bad thing. You know what? I, I, the only thing I remember from, because we, we, we have watched it together, Max once came round to mine, and that was the first time I'd ever seen it. And I thought it was really good, actually. Um, oh, yeah. And I can't remember, like something these character names and stuff can't can't remember. The only my favourite scene was the banter that uh, on the plane as they're all sort of getting off, where yeah, M Malkovich, Cyrus, what's his name? Cyrus, Cyrus the virus, the virus yeah. Um, <laughs> potentially a character for Deadly Virus Four, I think. <laughs> yeah, Cyrus it could be friend. his yeah. franchise. Um, that cage sort of gags in on, but um, he asks like classic sort of silky dark Malkovich performance, um, very sly sort of sense of humour, and he asks what the in-flight yeah. movie is on this plane, and the sort of yeah. jackass sort of like prison guard says, it, it fires back quick as anything, which I thought was great, and he says something like, it's you're never going to shag a woman again, followed by yes. no more steak for you. Yes, you got it. <laughs> I love that and, and because you know that Nicholas Cage, the Nicholas Cage, not Cameron Poe, probably just whispered yeah. to like the assistant director, being like, "There's no sequel lined up for these." <laughs> could you, could you, do you know this? Could you maybe put a word in? Yes. <laughs> no more steak for me. Sounds yeah. the perfect Cage film. I can play the steak, okay, in that movie. <laughs> I was in Vampire's Kiss. I, I had a, I had a steak. It was a six foot steak. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> of course, being set when it was, it's got so many wailing guitar solo sound bites. So, <laughs> so every so often, Nicholas, uh, well, Cameron Poe will start fighting a bad guy, you know, and obviously nailing every punch and dodging every hit. And the soundtrack is so over the top, so loud, and so wailing. You almost, it's exactly that. It's exactly that. And it's, it's constant. And then as soon as, the, as soon as the fight's over, the music, it's done. It dies down. There's no, it's not even a fade. There's no fade in, fade out. No. Not a crescendo. Very, very aggressive when he's fighting. <laughs> Stop. Anytime the plane is about to take off, a car is driving really fast, the music in the background is so loud and so aggressive, and then stops. As I was, I was going to also say the actual licensed soundtrack for this song, for this movie. Um, how do I, how do I breathe yeah. without you? 
Yes. Oh, that was it. I couldn't it think. Was, I knew it, it was like yeah. a big, it's, a big ballad. I couldn't. Yeah, it's in literally. I think it's in pretty four or five. Yes, key you're right. Scenes you're right. This movie. Um, yeah. It's brilliant. I also it's just such an antithesis yeah. to the rest of the movie. This is yeah the the two parter. Uh, arguably one of the great years of of Cage's yeah. career. We've had uh, Connor. And then I think later the same year, Face Off with John Travolta, <laughs> which is another, he's a, another sort of semi-icon of the show, I guess. Um, but this is, this is Key Cage for me. It's it's one of the few, like I've, I've seen bits of Con Air and I've seen clips and stuff like that, but this this is one that I have. Um, I've re-watched it for this, obviously, but I have seen in the past and thought it was brilliant. This basically... Uh, how can I sum up without going into all of the twists and things because this is a film I think that's overburdened with unnecessary <laughs> twists and, and turns isn't it about two and a half but hours basic- <laughs> yeah oh, I forgot how long it was and there, there are some scenes that drag yeah. um, there's but basically the, the, the premise of Face Off is it's based in the day well the fictional I guess but based in the days where it's possible to believe that there's a personal vendetta between the head of the FBI and the head of a terrorist group. It's not just like, oh, that's, you know, he's public enemy number one, he's on the FBI's most. No, this is personal. This is like, they don't like each other. It's, it's not good enough that one man is a civil servant, the other bloke is like a terrorist. That That's not good enough. They have to have like this weird connection. So classic sort of... Um, fudged movie relationship going on throughout the film uh top three scenes i mean there's so many this is galore with good quotes little odd i mean the prison moon boots (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there you go i I mean i'll just i'm not even going to elaborate on it i'll just say that um there's there's a great line where once i'll go into this a bit more but there's there's i'm just picking out like some top hits from the film before uh there's a brilliant line where travolta caster troy malforms whatever becomes uh, the travolta character sean archer um, and he's reveling in it because he's a big public hero and he saved the day and all the rest of it and at one point the praise is flooded in and some little assistant or receptionist or whatever comes in and says sean we've got the president on line one and your wife on line two. (laughs) And he just says, hold line one. (laughs) Is there a greater bit of dialogue in the whole of, uh, yeah. So uh, there's there's, there's tons of like gems like that. But the big uh, scenes for me, the ones that have that mixture of absurdity and true cageism. Well, the great thing actually, first point, the opening so let's I mean and what I like about Face Off is that it's it's one of those films that begins so full-on so rampant that you think how could this possibly be sustained for two and a half hours so Cage opens it up dressed as a priest so you've got that uh he's planting a bomb which has a skull and crossbones on it so 
Not one of those good bombs, the the sort of public friendly... Just in case you needed to know that this was dangerous. Yeah, he isn't demolishing the airport to make way for, like, um, you know, an orphanage. It's not a good bomb. This is evil. This is naughty because you can tell by the thing. So he's planting it. He's, uh, is it an airport? I think Convention right. centre or something. Was it? Oh, uh, was it? I yeah. thought it was an airport. It just looks like an airport. Um so yeah, it's like a big center. Cage is a priest, <laughs> and right. How 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 I can best illustrate this is the credits are still on. <laughs> so the costume designer's name has not yet left the screen <laughs> before Cage is fucking twerking. <laughs> My favorite thing about that pre-scene is that to really hit home, like what sort of creepy guy uh, Castor Troy is, they have him being very lewd, don't they? Like he's this really like creepy, oh. like humping <laughs> women and just like being like so gross. I like how I like when he's twerking and he's like spinning his head around and he's got the rosary beads going round <laughs> as well. <laughs> Instead of his long hair, because he doesn't have that in this movie, he's got yeah. like the the he rosary needs some beads. sort of movement. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's so weird. Oh, so he's he's just planted the thing and he's walking. Yeah, so this bit is he's dancing. Uh, he's doing the, what I imagine is some sort of jive or shimmy, which then goes into a uh, finger click. And you're thinking, hmm, well, what, what soundtrack would you have to match with the dance? Maybe... Maybe the 1960s, maybe the maybe some of the soundtrack of like Dirty Dancing. It's got that thing. <laughs> Handles Messiah. Yes. <laughs> so there's, there's, you've got this big and I mean huge <laughs> choir right doing um, Harley you know the Hallelujah yeah. thing the Handel's Messiah but Cage like Rain said is being this to, to lay on thick that he's a, a dodgy character he clocks this uh, young sort of pretty sort of Reese with a spoon style blonde goes behind it and then at the moment when it gets to the big Hallelujah, gropes her yeah. from behind. I, I'm surprised that she's just accepted that as like no, but she doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't. She, she takes. She doesn't. It. I mean, maybe that's a thing about the Catholic Church, but I, I, I guess <laughs> I, she's. I, I just she does just. Um, she doesn't miss her note or anything. Like she's yeah. like no. it's like expected. <laughs> I actually thought up yeah, until that, yeah. I thought like the first time is I saw that on she it? was in on it. Yeah, I thought yeah. she was in on it. Like, yeah. You'd, yeah, you'd have to believe that for the scene to make yeah. sense. Yeah, so you're right. But um, that's the bit where, yeah, so that, that's that's my number one, really. Just just get just the credits, essentially. Um, and right after that, Cage goes out. And again, he's with his, he's in cahoots with his brother, Pollux. Not sure. <laughs> Yeah, another classic name. Uh, that's the bit where he has this like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another brilliant name. Uh, that's the bit where he has like this um, this weird kit box thing that he travels about with, and it's got like two guns yes. in, like a bit of yeah. coat. Uh, it's got money on some sort of like dragon. Money. Yeah, it's the, it's the it's the party case. Don't, don't you have one of those? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does sorry. get brought out Ooh. later on in the. Ashley's party case just has no me from Showgirl. It's a picture of her in it. Well, it's it probably time for me to say, never, needless to say, my favourite role in this is um, uh, what's her name? She's Castor Troy's girlfriend. 
Oh, she yeah. have a name, is it? The, the one who has the kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's her because name? that's Crystal Connors and Shogun. Oh wow, I didn't even put the connection together. This is why you like face off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so this is Crystal. She should have played it as Crystal Connors, I think. Um, so half naked the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The so yeah, so that you get to see that weird second scene. Uh, well, it goes right to the heart of the movie, the heart of the title, the bit where they have to literally swap faces. So uh, this is never really oh because this bomb is always lingering in the background for the first half of the film, but it's later completely unimportant. Yeah. <laughs> the, they want to know the location of this bomb. The only way they're going to do that, the FBI think, is by getting Travolta to wear Cage's face. <laughs> Go into prison, infiltrate the prison, uh, catch on with his brother, and, you know, worm information out of him. That, that's the premise of this. Yeah. But it's top secret, I think, so only, like, you know, two people know about yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Um, they go to this weird, you know, like hospital type thing where this operation takes place. It almost looks like a strip um, mall. It's just. I always think yes. it's just, it doesn't look like anything of importance. <laughs> it's like a, Stranger Things yeah. season three. It's like the Star Wars. Yeah. Or like, or like, a, you know, I don't know, a yeah. dentist office in America or something. Like, yeah. something that's like not definitely couldn't be doing the surgery that needs to be undergone for this sort of. Yeah, it's yeah and what annoys me as well is so they think that this is a sensible idea (laughs) um which i mean yeah because what could go wrong you just wearing another face you've got different teeth uh, a different body uh, a different uh tan the science is definitely just completely brushed over (laughs) I hate, to, if, I hate to be crude also though, but later on when Nicholas when Castor, uh, when Castor Troy this annoys when me. Castor Troy wears Sean Archer's face and then sleeps with Sean Archer's wife, and she doesn't think anything's different about that. She doesn't think that was different. Yeah. That didn't that didn't go the way I imagined. Yeah, um, no, yeah I, I swear she does say something. She it, it's like a it, she her reaction is like, ooh, wow. Isn't it like, oh. like she's like thinking because obviously he oh, yeah, is, like, is much more, he's not going to be loving because <laughs> he's a creep. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I mean, I'm, I'm not even thinking about just the way he's being. I just think more animatonic and anatomic. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like she Wouldn't doesn't you know it. sort you, of thing. You yeah. Yeah. something's yeah. a bit off. Well, yeah. Um, I think, yeah. There's a lot of question marks around the entire swapping of faces because there is, there's other things at stake i.e body parts <laughs> yeah i mean uh, uh, like birthmark what if one what, what if one of them has like a rash you know what i mean he's just <laughs> i just don't get it oh uh, that, that's the thing i said before as well because you think okay let's just take it step by step the face okay i'll i'll give you that <laughs> the voice though so at one point they get him, they, they call Travolta over now with Cage's face. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, and it looks like, yeah, like the little police wire type thing or a little studio mic thing attached to the top of your coat or jacket or whatever. And I'm thinking, hmm, could be noticeable. <laughs> could disguise it as a brooch, I guess. But that's a brooch. A man brooch. You know, you know, Castle Troy loved his brooches. So. <laughs> yeah. But I'm thinking, hmm, okay. 
and yeah. then they go and they get him to say something which is the weirdest sentence because Travolta at this point was to me like why the fuck am I saying this because they go oh could you just say uh what is it uh I could eat a peach for hours Where, where's that from Oh, yes. Yes. I don't know. Say me name. Surely at that point as well, you'd be like, "Mm, this is getting quite out of hand and complicated. (laughs) Maybe there's a simpler way to do this. Yeah, you see. Yeah, that's that's the case. Um, So that's that's the big one because that's the whole, like, focal point thing of the film. Yeah, the whole premise, as the the title would say, face off (laughs) on another. Yeah. Let's see what my other key scene for me. Yeah, I think the wife, the dumbest character in movie history. Oh, there's the I cast a Troy chant. I quite like that. I quite, I quite, I cast a Troy. Why was it like I Claudia style thing? Why wasn't it just like cast a Troy? Um, What about when when Castor Troy gets like, uh, go gets, takes some drugs? Well, not Castor Troy, as Castor Troy. And um, yeah, and he's sort of flopping all over the bed. uh, And do, oh, actually, that, that whole scene where, Sean Archer, Nicholas Cage, uh, invades that like compound that they've got, where which is Castor Troy's like, I don't know, flat compound type head of operations thing. Um, and yeah, yeah. My, my other favourite film, not not because this was th- th- there was anything like outwardly funny in this, but I just loved the sort of like action movie cheese of this when they're both. So there's the, this huge shootout. There's like helicopters involved. There's everything. Like loads of people dying and whatever. And at one point, you get to that really like key scene where they're back to back against. Oh, the that's mirror. a great scene! No, I love that. As well. And they're just they're doing like this, this sort of like staking each other out, sort of like on the like when boxers are on the tiptoes, <laughs> yeah. just like sort of measuring each other, both behind this mirror. Yeah. Um, and then like a classic, uh, what is it like a? We used to have to do 10 paces and then turn duel, around, you know, yeah. in the old days. Like a duel, that's it, yeah. Where they both turn oh, around yeah. and duel. shoot the mirror. Um, that I just, because it's so like, you know the director thought that that looked great. And like the irony of them shooting themselves oh, in the yeah. mirror, but they're not themselves. Yeah. Like the, the whole uh, little setup of that, you can tell they but thought. I, I think I think this, this movie is full of a lot of that stuff where it's like someone they had so many cool ideas that they thought would look great, so they just and they didn't do any cutting. So that's why you've got the yeah. final action scene. You've got a shootout in a no, shirt, they put it all in. then a boat chase scene, and then a fight in a dockyard. Yeah, and it's like any yeah. one of those yeah. could have been an end scene of that movie, yeah. and you felt like. How did he get from the church? Like, I even can't even remember yeah. how he got from the church to the boat to the dockyard. Like, it's just kind of like really haphazardly stitched together. Mm. Or the scene where uh, John Travolta, uh, play, um, being uh, Castor Troy, licks uh, Sean oh, Archer's yeah. daughter's face. That was so that was gross. So there we have it. That was I, Nicolas Cage. Uh, three of his finest screen moments hopefully uh, dissected well and hopefully it nudges you to go and track them down and enjoy them as much as we have now it's time to return to our challenge right from the beginning casting couch and our movie for that was virus 4 deadly installment 
So we know that Cage, Cage, Cage has dabbled in sequels. He's done uh, the yeah, the Ghost Rider was a sequel. Uh, National Treasure Two, Book of Secrets, classic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this is this is a quadrilogy. So Cage, I'm assuming we're all maybe on, on the same page <laughs> with this that he's seen through the first three. Um, he's not like a, a late like a sub in or a late amendment. He's this is Cage's franchise. And yeah, Rain, what what was the this was originally your title? What what were you sort of thinking as you wrote it down? So I was kind of thinking that this could be a computer virus. So virus, the first film, I'm sure would have been something that affected humans. We had a pandemic. It's kind of, it's been done, hasn't it? We, we, know, we, know, we know what a virus is. I don't know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so if we're on the fourth film, I reckon we want something a bit more futuristic, maybe a bit more exciting. Virus for deadly installment. This is something that affects your software Ooh, and your hardware. Nice. And it's, it's going to be something that really, it gets to us because, you know, as modern day people, computers oh, are our lifeline. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to really affect us. And I'm sure Nicolas Cage will save the this day in will, some way. I like that. That's a good uh, little virus for deadly installment, software, hardware, Tupperware. <laughs> yes. you reckon like I, i'm already thinking that nicholas cage is some kind of like virus evolution expert type thing and he's he's been brought like while he's helped within okay. this, the virus one to three virus four is like he's still brought on yep. because it's spreading like unlike anything else and so he's going to be a bit like michael Caine in yes. the swarm just kind of coming in just going like you know I'm an expert on this. This is how a virus spreads, regardless of whether it's a, a human virus or a, or a kind of digital virus. Um, yeah, I'm also thinking um, similar <laughs> to Jeff Goldblum's character yeah. in Jurassic Park, where he actually has nothing to do with dinosaurs, but because he is his knowledge in other aspects, he's brought in. And so he's this sort of like cool guy who, he's got the scientific knowledge, but obviously yeah. doesn't know anything about yeah. dinosaurs or paleontology. So I'm kind of thinking Nicolas Cage as being a character similar to that. He's, mm -hmm. he's a, virology, a yeah, virologist, yeah. virologist, but, but they feel like, yeah, okay, he's, he's gone through this three times already. So perhaps he can help us in this. Who, in this and who's like, who's spreading the virus? Who's like the, gonna be like the big evil guy in this? I had an idea of an actor that we pull into this cool. movie. Mm. There'll be a breakout moment. I feel classic kind of situation of where a comedy actor can transition themselves into something a bit dark and serious. So maybe he can be the villain. I think Dara O'Brien. <laughs> be... Yeah, yeah, I like that. The mega bus man himself can actually uh, take on this role of the villain. And take on Nicholas Cage. And take on Nicholas <laughs> yeah, Cage yeah. in this kind of kingpin style uh, thing, like wearing a really big white suit with the giant okay. shoulder pads, I reckon. Yes. And he's the one who's spreading this digital virus. Tri triple breasted. Triple breasted, obviously. <laughs> Purple tie, white, yeah. white pinstriped. That's it. Yeah, I, let's bring back like that sort of semi Bond tradition where he has like an animal to go with him, you know what I mean? So like it yes. carries like. Uh, some sort of, a parrot, a, a white parakeet, a robot parrot. Yes, oh, oh of course. Okay, maybe he's the villain in the first three, 
and the parrot is killed in one of the prequels, and so he has a robot <laughs> parrot. <laughs> <It's amazing. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's come a scene where like Cage realizes who the villain is because the robot parrot is sort of like spying, you know, sort of flying about. Maybe oh, the yeah. red eye of the, the red yeah, eye. Of the yeah, parrot yeah, is sort yeah. Of flying out the window of the I don't know Pentagon or whatever, looking in. Yeah. Sort of yeah. Stealing secrets, stealing codes. Got X-ray vision, heat sensors. Yeah. yeah. I was also thinking, I like coming up with the actors in this. I feel like Nicolas Cage maybe needs, I think it's going to be a bit of a disaster movie, like what we spoke about in episode one. Check it out, everyone. Who Absolutely. To it. Um, we're going to have to have like, a, a, there's always a divorced couple in this. There's always like a yes. torrid relationship between it. So I'm going to say, and Rain's going to hate me for this, but I'm going to say that uh, his wife, his, his wife is Anne Hathaway. His oh. wife is Anne Hathaway. <laughs> cool. Well, that's fine because no one's going to be rooting for them to get back together. So we can focus on the actual, the actual virus. <laughs> Maybe Anne Hathaway is employed by Dara O'Brien in this movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. that's great. I, like I that. love that dynamic. Okay, so um, I've got I've got another I've got another casting. I reckon we need a um uh, a younger kind of nerdy uh you know yeah, kind of sidekick yeah. and um to go with the uh, some people that mm, some others dislike. We're gonna go with Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. And to, to really seal the deal, we're giving him a British accent. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want Elijah Wood. I want, him, I want him to have a wispy, a wispy beard as well. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Beard. Of course. Like, all the way on that. So is yeah. he going to be sort of one of these, like, Pentagon sort of computer yeah. geniuses? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'll, so and obviously... And they have to team up. Nicholas yeah. Cage yeah. There and, we go. and Elijah Wood have to team up. Yeah, there we go. I'm also, I'm thinking, just in case you didn't get the reference, the English accent circa Artful Dodger, uh, Oliver Twist, <laughs> <laughs> is what I'm thinking. Like <laughs> <They> Cockney. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Oh um, I also wanted to suggest the soundtrack of this movie. Um, I don't know why, but I feel like this soundtrack is going to, to help make this movie what it is i think it'll have to be sung by daniel bedding oh, yeah. um oh, who, will, who will feature in this <laughs> gotta get through this yeah yeah <laughs> i gotta get through this oh, i gotta goodness. get gotta, yes that's great that is actually no. i mean that, that song you just need to write a new song you want to go get through this. oh brilliant okay so um I think reckon we should need a, we need probably one yeah. more actress like a femme fatale type character, mm. um, someone who's like yeah. Garvey O'Brien, second in command, um, that uh, that kind of like you know yeah. maybe maybe has a confrontation with Nicolas Cage at one point. So he has his so he has his uh, contracted yeah. punch. And, and we could maybe have her try and seduce um, him so. as well. Oh, good shout, good shout. Yeah, because then it's not, because like by this movie, like the tension between him and Anne Hathaway has gotten tired, so you need to throw someone else in, in the mix, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. So who, who's it yeah. going to be? Ooh. I was thinking uh, Anna Winter, the editor of Vogue. Anna Winter! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anna Winter. Yeah, yes, Anna Winter. she's got that sort of, uh, you know, Sold. she's like a famous, mean, horrible sort of person, isn't she? <laughs> Anna Winter is in this movie! <laughs> 
Love I love it. it. I love, love it. it. I think we've already got the makings of this strong movie here. It is. A, um, it's a great cast. We do. So obviously Anna Winter is going to try and seduce Nicholas. Yeah. Cage. Um, and and maybe that's <laughs> yeah. when Elijah Wood comes in and and stop. Maybe Elijah Wood has found that because there's that tension between you know uh, Nicholas Cage and Elijah Wood. Like they're not getting on. They kind of clash, mm -hmm. and then this is their bonding yeah. moment when Elijah Wood kills Anna Winter. Um, yeah. When he saves him. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think that would be kind of the bond. And then that's when they go after the big bad. That's when they go to Dara O'Brien's penthouse apartment mm. where yeah. he is holding <laughs> Anne Hathaway ransom. I, I don't know where is she a villain in this? Like, are we are we gonna do that twist? Yeah, she she could be uh working for O'Brien. Um what's he selling again? Oh well, I, I don't know why Maybe. I've got him down as a salesman. Maybe uh, <laughs> He's, he's some sort of. Sorry. <laughs> I, what's he what selling again? I, all I can think is that he's selling comedy DVDs. Like, because I can't get him out of my head. As as the. Um... Yeah, yeah, it's all about like he's just taking over the world's computers for more downloads. Is Daniel Beddingfield going to be in the movie? A bit like Seal in. Um... In submerged. Oh, yeah. Have a little cameo. Maybe he. Uh, he's How about he's the president? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Daniel yeah, Beddington's yeah. the president. Yeah. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Elijah Wood doing a Cockney accent. Daniel Beddington yes. doing an American accent. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, how is he gonna? Uh, I guess the I guess the key point is how is Nicholas Cage gonna defeat Dara Brian? Is Dara Brian gonna get away? Is he gonna like? Is it gonna be for virus? Leave it open for. <laughs> Are we gonna go for hand-to-hand um, -hand combat? Is because Cage can be quite clunky at that. Even though he, he he's good at like shooting and he he's good at all the rest of it. He's a bit of a clunky hand-to-hand -hand fighter, as I imagine yeah. Daro Bruin is. I think I feel like Daro Bruin has a cane. Oh yeah, it's like um. <laughs> with yeah. his white double breasted oh at some point yeah, Cage yeah. has to like defeat the robot parrot <laughs> yes. oh of course so of that course. has to be maybe no. it pecks his hair no 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 so maybe <laughs> I was thinking maybe while Cage is fighting Dara Brian with Dara Brian's silver topped cane um, Elijah Wood is fighting the robot parrot because he's not a fighter yeah. right that's more that's more equal isn't it more yeah. Equal for it, yeah yeah it is yeah that's true. And then maybe he reprograms the robot parrot to fly oh. in and kill and yeah. kill oh. Dara O'Brien. Yes. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. But then at the end of the movie, I'm running away with myself here, but at the end <laughs> of the movie, okay, post mid-credit sequence, because everyone loves those. Um Love it. and there's and, and you just see like Dara O'Brien's like dead body, the glass shattered around him, like they hear they hear the helicopters coming in and it closes up on his eye. Which goes red. Glows red. That's the movie. Oh, Done. Yeah. <laughs> and that's from Virus yeah. 5, Dara's Revenge. Yeah. <laughs> ring, ring. Oh, is that the Oscars calling? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and that's a wrap. We can only hope that we've, in our own way, done some good to a living legend. Anyway, it's time to move on. And next week, I think we'll be taking a look at sci-fi films. Yeah. 
And Max, do you have any pointers on what we can expect? Well, I mean, uh, I guess this hasn't really come out during the show, but for me, it's been a, a, one of my love passions of, of literature and movies is Stephen King works. Um, so it will be a sci-fi movie by Stephen King. Uh, it's probably an abomination, and it is an abomination um, as a Stephen King adaption, but it is a fantastic movie and uh, one that I cannot wait to, to share uh, and with you all. Yeah, that's, I've never seen it, but uh, I, I think I have heard about it. Is there a wrestler in it? Uh, multiple wrestlers in it. Oh, multiple governors, actually. <laughs> multiple governors. <laughs> the best possible answer to that question. <laughs> um, okay, so that's next week at least. Uh, but before we split, don't forget to just keep on listening. Uh, we hope that at least someone's getting this and hopefully enjoying it. Um and inspired to go and build up the DVD collection, their prime watch list, whatever it may be. Uh, we are on Anchor, I think, is our main hub. For, uh, but we seem to be, but if that's not your platform of choice, we're also on Cast, uh, Castbox, Spotify. Our Insta um, gets filled up. There's stuff on Twitter, page two, to try and follow, mostly just random things, uh, things we've been watching and keeping up with. Uh, but until then, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Ray, yes, for thank joining you, Ray. us. It's been fantastic to have you with us. I hope to have um, you back on, on the show soon as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, so thanks to everyone listening. Uh, keep a, a lookout for us, and we look forward to speaking with you next time. Take care. Bye.